The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel is Thomas Sanaro. Hey, Thomas. Hey, Dom. It's good to be here. Uh, I want to tell everyone about another show that's on the network that you are sure to enjoy. In fact, it's it's actually probably one of the best things we do, which is PlayStation Portable. It's the Liturgy of the Hours, the Divine Office of the Church, uh, the that Jeffist has been doing for more than a decade, probably one of the longest running podcasts ever. And it's a labor of love. And there are so many hundreds and thousands of people who listen to it every day and win prayer. So uh, definitely check it out. If you want a, a new prayer experience, that's an old prayer experience. So check it out at sqpn.com slash PSP or wherever fine podcasts are found. It's also in every uh, podcast directory. So I want to uh, start off with a little bit of feedback from our recent episode that we did with Jeff Geerling, which was such a great episode. Jeff's such a nice guy, such a good guy, so knowledgeable about tech. Uh, And uh, so I want to read this email we got from Ted, who writes, I really enjoyed this week's podcast. It was great hearing Father Corey's voice on the show. I bought a Raspberry Pi about a year ago and have not done much with it. I have subscribed to Jeff's YouTube channel, and maybe I can get some ideas on some projects that I can do with the Pi. It was interesting that photogrammetry was brought up during the show. This term is being used much more these days, especially now that drones are being used quite often and the images are being processed and often the term photogrammetry is used to describe the processing. Please excuse me while I get out my soapbox. Hey, this is (laughs) Ted. This is Secrets of Tech. It's a safe space for all us geeks and nerds. So that's not Mm -hmm. that's not a problem. Uh, He continues. The process that Jeff described is structure from motion, SFM, not photogrammetry. I do not fault Jeff or anyone else for using that term because SFM uses photogrammetric image algorithms to process the images. And the term photogrammetry is always thrown around on many cable shows. Skinwalker Ranch included. Yes, uh, that's Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, It's one of my uh, um, secret guilty pleasures. Anyway, Mm. (laughs) when they throw a drone up in the sky and process the images, they'll refer to the processing as photogrammetry. The definition of photogrammetry is, quote, the art and science using photography in surveying and mapping to measure distances between objects, end quote. Pause to get off of soapbox. Uh, That's what Ted wrote. Uh, So why am I so tuned into this? I've been making a living as a photogrammetrist since the Reagan administration in Dom's home state. That's Massachusetts to everyone. We use both photogrammetry and SFM daily in our business, along with quite a bit of LIDAR. It has been a fun ride watching the evolution of technology in the business. Excellent. That's really cool. Thanks, Ted. I love hearing from people who are experts in their fields to kind of give us a hint and a glimpse into that. That's one of the things I I really love about this show. And we're going to try to do a little more of is bring in people who can give us a glimpse into these fascinating little worlds. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing to, to think of all of the, all of the places that, that our faith touches in the, in the technology sphere. Right. So just because you're a religious person doesn't mean that you're not, really deep into the technological uh, sphere of things. Yeah. And so, you know, that and and this show is, has done a great job of, you know, kind of 
digging into the the depths of uh, you know some of the more the questions that you may have if you're in one of those technology positions, but you don't have anybody to talk to necessarily. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, yeah, we've got so many good topics coming up. I just I just as I'm thinking about it, like that that really applied to for like that. So be sure to stay subscribed, folks, because we've got a lot of good stuff like that coming. So uh, let's move on to our main topic. And it is the summer doldrums. There's there's always tech news going on these days, but there's not always um, uh, the, the how do I put it? Sometimes we want to broaden the definition of tech. You know, and it's not mm-hmm. always about microchips and that sort of thing. Sometimes, you know, a lot of technology is much simpler and but no less uh, amazing and innovative. And so that's all a big preamble to saying we're going back camping again <laughs> and we're going to yes. talk about more tech for <laughs> camping uh, because both Thomas and I are big into camping. We both love uh, camping. Uh, we are, Our kids are in scouts and that sort of thing. And so uh, we talked about tech for camping way back in April of 2022 in episode 161. I'll have a link in the show notes for you. And uh, we talked about a lot of different aspects of tech you can bring on camping, some that's more traditionally technical or electronic or that sort of thing. Uh, but we wanted to talk about some more things that are tech, technical, technological uh, for camping. And uh, so we came back. And so we're going to talk about some more things. A lot of stuff, uh, the, the, the bigger, more basic items, uh, I think, as well, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd address it. We're going to talk about things like backpacks and sleeping bags, clothing, uh, wa- things for water, that sort of stuff. And uh, so let's start with the important thing. When we think of camping, apart from tents, which we talked about last time, probably the first thing we think of is a backpack. Um, what, what, is, what do you think of for when, you, when someone asks, how do I pick a backpack? What is the first thing that you're going to suggest to them? Uh, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm gonna right. start asking questions <laughs> because it's really uh, it's really dependent. And and there's there's some shortcut rules to looking for a good backpack. And I'm I'm gonna be honest here because when I was in high school and looking for a backpack, it was there was so much to consider. Oh yeah, there was. Do you want an external frame or an internal frame or a hybrid frame or th- or do you want this kind of bag? It's none of that is really important anymore because the whole industry has settled on essentially this sort of hybridized frame mm-hmm. that everybody uses. So the great thing is, is if you've, if the last time you shopped for a bag was in the nineties, none of that stuff is really that significant anymore. Right. So it's much easier today. And and when it comes down to it, the things you need to consider are how long your trip is and what kind of gear you like to carry. And so there's there's two basic philosophies. One is I'm a minimalist. I want as little as I can to carry with me. And I am going to uh, go lightweight as much as I can and find things on the trail that I'm going to use or have just a very little amount of, of food and gear on me at any given time. And that's great. My big warning there is make sure that you always have enough, because the worst thing is when you're out on a trip. And someone yep. has gone minimalist camping, which essentially means that they're just borrowing from everyone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. We all know that guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and then the other the other direction is, OK, well, I've got gear and I need to know how much is too much. Right. So I, I don't want to take everything with me the whole time. And so a good rule of thumb 
and, and this is what I tell everybody when they're looking for backpacks, a good rule of thumb is 10 to 15 liters of, of gear space per day that you're going to be out. Mm, that's so if one. you're going to go out for one day, you know, 10 liters is probably going to going to do you. If you're going to be overnighting somewhere, you're probably going to need closer to that 15 range. And if you start getting to the point where you're hiking out and then hiking back and it's going to take you two days to do that whole system, you know, you're looking at 20 to 35 liters worth of a bag. And then for longer trips than that, yeah, you're going to need more like a, a 35 to 45 liter bag. And and that's the cap, because once you get to that point, you're just reusing stuff. Right. So mm-hmm. if, you, if you're wondering, like, how do people ca- ca- uh, hike the Appalachian Trail if they're going to be out there and they need, you know, like a 60 liter bag? <laughs> for the no 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 once you get to about 35 40 liters that's it and then you're just reusing stuff at that point right and having stuff shipped to drop points along the trail for exactly you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah uh yeah that's a really good point it, the like for most people you know most people are going to camp we you know weekend camping two nights mm-hmm. maybe three nights and you're gonna have so you're gonna need maybe a uh, 20 liter, 20 to 30 liter bag would be suf- more than sufficient for that sort of thing. Um, especially if you're car camping, you know, and so you're, you're right. not, you're not having to go far from your car. Um, that's a really good rule of, th- good rule of thumb. I-, I would say other things to consider is, uh, make sure the size, it's sized for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are, uh, bags for men and bags for women because they, we have different size torsos and, and, uh, uh, the distribution of the musculature is different between men and women. Uh, and that, uh, and for kids, kids also need a right size bag, but you can get bags that grow with them, especially, uh, that they're out there. And, um, I wouldn't spend a lot on a bag for kids. They, they will outgrow them. Uh, or or put that. holes in them. <laughs> oh, yeah, right, exactly. That'll happen too. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, uh, the, I mean, the only other thing I would think of is, is just, um, look at how the straps, like I, I'm a big guy. Uh, if you, if you ever see me in the, in any of our videos, I'm a big dude. So I need a big belt, like a, like a long mm-hmm. belt. I don't, you know, uh, let's just say I need a long belt. <laughs> so <laughs> you may need to consider that, like, cause you, what you want is to be able to have the, not just the straps, but you want the belt and a sternum strap to kind of distribute the weight of the bag. Once, right. If you have the, the belt on correctly and the straps and the sternum strap, a pack holding 30 pounds is that's not that it, it doesn't feel that bad. You know, you can really carry a lot. Uh, and, so, and you can carry it for a long time, too. That's the thing is, like, if you've ever used a backpack that's heavy, it hurts your shoulders after a while. But mm-hmm. a good hiking bag, you're not going to feel that weight. In fact, when you take the bag off at your campsite, you should feel like, oh, wow, I did not realize I was carrying <laughs> this much stuff. Right. And, and it, not that you're like, you know, not, not that your back hurts, but just that you feel the weight of the bag suddenly. And it's like, wow, that's a that's a ton of gear. And I didn't realize that I was using yeah. all of that. You, sometimes you feel like you can leap into a tree because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's so light. And that's partly because you're not you're not just carrying it on your shoulders. You're carrying it on your on your uh, waist, on your hips. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's really designed to carry a lot of a lot of weight in general. So you want to distribute it evenly. And these backpacks, like you mentioned, backpacks today are so well designed. So, so good about that. So if you get one that you can, and, and in some ways I say, you know, if you can, if you get an REI around you or, or an outdoor store, go try them on, you know, just, mm-hmm. just to see, uh, I mean, I could, I've bought packs online, you know, sight unseen, uh, 
but you're taking a risk there. But uh, you know, it worked. It's worked out for me so far. But I kind of know what I'm looking for. Uh, right. But uh, but if you can go try one on, that's that's great. And if you can get a class that teaches you how to pack a backpack, too, yes, that makes a huge difference because if you don't know how to distribute the weight properly inside of your bag, and you're going for a long hike. Uh, that can it can cause you a lot of discomfort because you'll have the heavier stuff up top and out back, and that's going to cause you to lean. Yep. And so you, you, if you learn to pack it where everything's, you know, the heavy stuff's tight into your back and then you get the lighter stuff outside of there. Uh, and there's just lots of little rules that are that are really helpful. And the guys that have been doing it for years. And they'll tell you all these things and they'll, they'll, they love to sit down and talk to you about this stuff. <laughs> yeah, <this laughs> it's a fine one. <laughs> yes. This is what we're doing. This is, we get to sit down and talk to and talk to you about, about this stuff. And yep. yeah. And also what you need to bring. That's the other thing is, is mm-hmm. uh, the, the sure sign of, of a novice camper uh, is that guy or gal who's got way more stuff than they need for the, right. for the, for the trip. Um, so, the, and so, you know, help someone. I mean, and that's fine, you know, if you, you for your first few trips, but, you know, find someone who will help you discern. What do I need to bring? What what am I not going to need? So mm-hmm. that's good. That's good. Um, yeah. And the pockets. Pockets are so important. Like w- yeah. the distribution of pockets on a on a backpack are really like, what am I going to put in each pocket? And And always know where that is. And like things like which pocket on my backpack will always have my first aid kit right. so that when you need it, you know where it is at, a, at without even thinking about it. That that sort of thing. And clips to hang stuff from too. Because oh that's, yeah. You know we're gonna get to water bottles later, and I am a huge proponent of not relying on collapsible water bottles or uh, you know bags that are in your backpack because they're just too hard to use. Yeah. And so a good solid metal uh, water bottle that yep. you can hang on your bag somewhere is invaluable. But you need that spot to hang it from. Yes. 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 Exactly. So, uh, so that's back, uh, backpacks. You could probably expect to spend anywhere from like, uh, you know, for a decent, a, a good pack. I mean, there are a lot of knockoff packs on Amazon that are under a hundred bucks, mm-hmm. but I would say for most people, somewhere between a hundred and 200 bucks, uh, mm-hmm. 200 bucks in the high end, probably a hundred to 150. You're probably going to do pretty well. This, this, this stuff in that route that'll be in that range. That'll work for most people for, uh, weekend uh, camping that sort of thing and it's going to last you a good long time especially if you weatherproof it which we're going to talk about some weather stuff in a minute yeah if if you take good care of it it is going to take good care of you for a long time so it's not like you're going to be buying one every season yeah yeah and sometimes like that's one thing actually packs can come with um rain covers so like they Mm -hmm. stows away and then when it starts raining you pull it out and you cover your bag and it keeps your stuff dry but it also keeps your pack you know from getting soaked and, and and frankly even when it's not raining you could keep it from getting all buff busted up on trees and rocks and stuff like that um, you know trail mm-hmm. trail wear and like tear like that uh, and awesome. i'll make one more caveat before we go anywhere else with this yep do not buy the most expensive gear buy the right gear for you right and i, and I cannot stress that enough because with with camping and with, and with outdoor gear when you're paying a lot of money for something, it's because it's highly specialized and uses materials that are intended for very, very extreme conditions. Right. So, you know, when we get into, when we get into sleeping bags next, uh, don't buy the most expensive sleeping bag because it's going to be too much sleeping bag. You know, you're, you only need like if you I mean, I'm camping in Florida. 
I don't need a 15. <laughs> you don't need a winter bag. Swing bag you know? <laughs> it's yeah. just not. And, I, and so I don't need to worry about the down or synthetic thing. Really, what I need is just a very lightweight, something that I can roll up really easily. In fact, a lot of times I'll just take a fleece blanket and I'm good. You know, fleece right. blanket and a, and a mat and I'm, I'm fine. So, yeah. you know, get what get only what you need. Don't think that just because you're buying something more expensive, it's better than the thing that um, that works for your conditions. That's right. And that's a really good point is buy gear for where you're going to camp as well. Um, mm-hmm. If you if I live in the northern, te- you know, northern temperate zone. So we have hot summers. It's 90 degrees today. We have cold winters. It gets down to, you know, 15 below at times, you know, or, or zero anyway uh, in the winter. And I know a lot of not a lot of people camp like that, but scouts do. Uh, so you're going to you're going to want, you know, to, to get gear for that. And so let's talk about sleeping bags uh, in that case. Where I'm a serious camper, I have a couple different bags. I have a winter bag. I have a summer bag. But uh, there's a couple things to consider with bags. And you mentioned one of them, which is temperature rating. Mm-hmm. Bags have different are rated for different temperatures. Um, a, a just it's just like clothes. I wear summer clothes in the summer, and I wear winter clothes in the winter. You want right. a summer bag in the summer and a winter bag in the winter, and Sleeping bags are temperature rated like for by different temperature ranges. So a summer bag is rated basically like 30 degrees and above. Mm-hmm. A winter bag is anything that's rated 15 degrees and below. Uh, now, 30 is not doesn't feel like summer, but <laughs> it's just it's just a number. It's 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 a, and, and frankly, in the summer, I, I like you said, I'm often sleeping on top of the bag more than I'm right. in the bag. But, you know, that's the way it is. Um, so that's that's one thing is the the temperature rating. And uh, you want to think about how, what kinds of weather am I going to be camping? Am I a am I a, a am I only going to camp in the summer? Am I going to camp in maybe in the spring or fall? So maybe I want a three season bag if I if I'm going to do a lot of fall and spring camping. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. So that's one thing to keep in mind. Yeah, I think I think for for the weathering, uh, if you get a fifteen to thirty, that's the, the that's typically there's like three ratings. There's thirty plus, there's fifteen to thirty, and then there's fifteen, and that's kind of the the ranges that you'll find the the sleeping bags in. Uh, if you get a fifteen to thirty, it, for the most part, it's going to cover most of the all year. of the spaces that you need. Yeah, yeah, because uh, anything above thirty, you know, you, you'll end up sleeping half in half out on it really right and uh and then that 15 to 30 range is a sweet spot though because that that'll get you into some good cold climates and still cover you so you're not going to be shivering in the middle of the night or trying to find something else to cover up with right and then another thing to think about with sleeping bags is the ease of getting into and out of them yeah especially if you're sharing a tent because you're going to want to sleep if you're doing things right and and you're relying on your sleeping bag for temperature, you want to sleep with as little clothing on as you possibly can. Because the more clothing you have on, the less you're letting the sleeping bag do its job, where it's it, it's creating a small environment of your body heat that's keeping you warm. And so when you have more clothes on, it's harder for the sleeping bag to do that quickly enough for it to mean anything for you. So what you want to do is you want to take off as much clothing as you can when you slide into the sleeping bag. And that's how the that's how it keeps you warm. Consider that when you're in a, when you're in a shared environment, <laughs> you might be <laughs> conscious of like getting in and out of the sleeping bag and putting clothes on at the same time. Right, right. That's a good point. One thing to keep aware of too is is the shape of the bag. They they come in different mm-hmm. shapes. There's classic rectangular. There's a mummy 
which which usually has like a hood that comes up over your head. Um, and then there's some variations. There's like a double bag, which is a uh, like a rectangle. It's a square or or bigger rectangle, say for like a couple, for like you you know your your you and your spouse. Um, and then there's like a semi rectangular, which is sort of a uh, cross between a rectangular and a mummy. Um, some people don't like mummy bags because it's too cramped. It's too close. That that feel that get claustrophobic. There's not a lot of room for your feet, and you know the the hood up over your head. Although in the winter, th- those will tend to be the lower temp bags, and in the winter, mm-hmm. that that feels really good to be <laughs> to be nice and snug oh, in yeah. that. Uh, yeah. But, it warms up fast. That's you know, like I was saying, it, it, right. it uses your body heat. It warms up really quickly. Right. Um, yeah. That said, I have a, I have for my summer, you know, three season bag is a lightweight semi rectangular. So I get a, more, a little more room for my feet. I, I like to move around when I sleep and I'm like, a, I'm a roller. So if I, if I'm in a mummy bag, it's, it's just too constricting for me. And plus I'm a kind of a, like I said, I'm a big guy. So I have wide shoulders. And so most mummy bags don't give me the space I want. So mm-hmm. I have a semi rectangular bag. Um, and then I have uh, a colder bag. It's not exactly a winter bag, but it's, it's actually rectangular. But it's really thick and heavy. I mean, this this is a big bag. Mm. I wouldn't. This is a car camping bag because it's too big to even like connect to my backpack. It's just it's it's gigantic. But it's for real. It's really cold nights. I did a I did a camp out with the scouts a couple of springs ago where in February where it got down to uh, the teens overnight mm. and I was so so cold and I swore I would never that cold again sleeping and so, <laughs> so you fixed it <laughs> i fixed it but uh so those are a couple of things to think of. i was like uh you know uh, the mummy bag uh will is a snugger fit but it'll be lighter and it'll be warmer i think that's mm-hmm. the idea yeah i prefer i prefer the mummy bags just because i like the uh i like the tight fit uh, mm-hmm. after you know after day and but i sleep like a vampire you know i'm like <laughs> arms crossed and like laying down flat yeah. I barely move at all so <laughs> you know it makes sense for me but like like you said if you like leg room uh they definitely do feel a little constraining yeah yeah and that's the thing is think about how you how you uh you sleep i mean that's a, that's a consideration mm-hmm. yeah um and then there's like one other thing to think about is like what's it, what's it insulated with there's synthetic insulation mm-hmm. and there's down some people are allergic to down so if you're allergic to down that's that's out um mm-hmm. but uh down is really good in cold, uh, dry weather, but it's really bad when it gets wet. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, um, synthetic dries really fast, um, and it works well even when it's damp, uh, and it's cheaper. So you know, it, it also consider where you're going to use it because this it comes back to you know what you're going to be doing with it. If you're car camping, go with the synthetic almost all the time, just because they tend to be bigger, they tend to be a little heavier, they're always cheaper. <laughs> yes. But but they do have a similar like they'll have a similar rating. So it, the only difference between a down and a synthetic is the weight and the compactness that you can get in packing it. Mm. So if you are a hiking camper, if you're going to be going and doing some survival camping or getting really far out and you need a warm bag that packs down really well, you're going to want to spend a little bit more money on those down uh, those down bags if you can. One thing to think about, too, when you, if you get a down bag or even a synthetic bag, compression sacks are really big now they used to the old sleeping bags you know you'd roll them up and then you'd tie them off or you'd slide them into a sleeve but now bags like a lot of these bags down bags synthetic insulation bags you stuff them into a bag 
into into mm-hmm. a, into another sack, and then you use, often will have compression straps that really get it really tiny and compact, uh, so that it doesn't take up much room. But but uh, some bags, some of the more expensive ones, I think, but even some reasonably priced ones, ca- also come with other like bigger mesh bags that don't compress the sleeping bag, because c- keeping the bag compressed all the time, like in storage between camping trips, can be bad for it. It won't loft mm-hmm. as much as it as it used to when it was new and loft is, is the whole point. It insulates by having air as an insulator in between the bits of the insul of the insulation. So uh, something to keep in mind if, if, if your bag doesn't come with a storage bag, uh, that's not a compression bag, you can think about maybe getting one uh, and we'll talk about some, some bags and sacks later. Definitely. Right. So uh, that's sleeping bags. Clothing is a big issue. There's there's lots of technical clothing for hiking and camping. I don't know. Like Again, this is another one of those things. If you get to a certain level, you'll know you'll need it. But there are some things you're going to need when you're camping. Uh, the first thing you're going to need is something for your feet. You don't mm-hmm. go camping or hiking in in sandals. I don't care how nice your Tevas are or whatever. You don't because unless unless you don't like your toes. <laughs> I'm going to disagree with you and I'm going to disagree with you in two minutes, but I, but generally I agree with the principle. There are if situations, hiker, okay. There yeah. are some situations where it's, where it's beneficial. And, and for that, you need to think about, you know, what, what you're getting because you want a hiking sandal in those situations. So if you're in the Pacific Northwest okay, and you're tromping through wet uh, underbrush that the whole time, and that's your, that's your camping experience. You don't want a pair of heavy boots because they're going to get waterlogged and, you're going to get blisters and you're going to get rot and it's going to be awful. You're going to have a bad time. Right. I'm thinking from my, my situation. So that's, right. that's a good point. So, <laughs> yep. so Northeast. Yeah. That's boots. Definitely the way to go. You know? Right. And the, the, the nice thing is there are different kinds of boots. Now, now there are the traditional boots with the high ankle to protect your ankle with mm-hmm. big lugs on the bottom, whatever you want. You want to have nice, good grip on the bottom. Nice, good, like lugs mm-hmm. to that's that. That's what that's called on the bottom of your, of your shoe uh, to, to get some good grip. Uh, but they make hiking shoes that are sleeker. They look kind of like, uh, uh, sneakers almost, mm-hmm. you know, bulkier sneakers than, than, uh, regular. Uh, but they'll be, you'll want them to be waterproof. Uh, if you think you're going to be tromping through a, a wet area or even a tick laden area, this is a good idea. Mm-hmm. You can get gaiters, uh, that, uh, hiking gaiters that kind of, they strap around your ankle and your pant leg keeps, keeps a little bugs from crawling up there. You know what I mean? Uh, you don't want that to happen. Uh, so that, that, that's another aspect too, but, uh, you want uh, some nice, like, even sneakers is is better than nothing, I suppose. But really, you want a nice hiking shoe. But you'll 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 be happy. Uh, mm-hmm. And to go with that, you're going to want some hiking socks. And in fact, you probably want two layers: uh, one a, a sock that's a, a wicking, so that it pulls moisture away from your foot, and then something that's uh, more absorbent and and a little bit. A little bit insulated, depending on the season. You don't want too insulated. That uh, that pulls the moisture into it. That way, you're pulling moisture away from your foot, pulling sweat away from your foot, so you don't get blisters. <laughs> Nobody wants mm-hmm. blisters. Uh, but your socks are as important as your shoe in that case. Absolutely. And if you are a person who needs them, compression socks are excellent. They are a great choice here because a lot of them will be the, that wicking material. They yep. stay close to your skin, but they also keep the the blood flow going. And that's a really 
like do not don't think you're ever too young for compression socks. Right, right. <laughs> Especially when you're out hiking and and, and working hard. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um so and yeah, you mentioned this the uh, hiking sandals and hiking sandals are different mm-hmm. from your regular around town sandals. They again, they have the nice good grip lugs on the bottom so that you would, mm-hmm. if you're crossing a stream or walking across slippery ground, you're going to get some you're going to get a better uh, uh, tread. You're gonna, uh, what's the word? Uh, you know, you're going to get a better grip on the ground, and that's that's good. Um, you're going to want to have layers of clothing as well. Um, so, again, if in the summer you're going to want to keep it as light as possible, but even in like in the fall or the spring, you're going to want to have like uh, several layers, at least on the top. Like as as the weather gets colder, you're going to want long underwear on uh, you know on the bottom uh, underneath some decent pants. Not jeans if you can if you can help it because jeans mm-hmm. if they get wet they stay wet and they get heavy and cold and that's not good <laughs> and it, they stay that way <laughs> and they stay that way um, and then they get stiff and that's awful <laughs> stiff yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah they just they just start standing up on their own oh, while stiff. you're hiking that's yeah. not that's not yeah. not good <laughs> yes uh, so uh, you know long underwear and some nice uh, hiking pants if you can get them um, and then like several layers up top like you can get like a like a, an undershirt. A regular shirt, uh, a light shell that maybe you can so things that you so that you can take things off or put them on as you get colder or warmer. That that's what you want to be thinking of. So you want to have several uh, you know layers. And as you're layering too, look for uh, pieces of clothing that vent. So some like they sell shirts that have like an an open back where the where they're stitched across the back and the back is open and it's got netting in there to prevent bugs from getting in, but. And, and Velcro so that it can seal itself shut if it is cold. But while you're hiking, you're, you get hot and you get sweaty. And just being able to open up that vent on the back to be able to breathe a little bit can mm-hmm. be a huge deal. I, I look that's one of the, my main requirements in looking for shirts that I wear while hiking is that that venting option. Oh, yeah, it's huge. Um, and then uh, like a rain shell, like a rain jacket, just something to put on it. You know, it, it rains. It just you know, it rains mm-hmm. everywhere. So yep. unless you're in, in you know, the, the desert southwest, you're going to need a rain jacket in, you know, for most hiking. So d- definitely do that. And if you're in a cold weather area, you know, cold weather coats. But, you know, most people will have a parker or something. And, and again, unless you're way at the top level of the hiking technical, you know, expert hiking, you're probably just going to wear whatever winter coat you have. And that's probably right. sufficient um, if, yep. if you need it. And And again, same here. Same principle here. You know, don't. Don't buy the super expensive thing when what you need is just a, a functional thing that's going to get you through, you know, a couple of days. Because when when they make the super expensive stuff, they're making it for people that are hiking the Appalachian Trail and they're going to be out there for weeks at a time. So it's right. super durable. It's made of, you know, high quality materials. It's made of weatherproofing stuff that's going to last for that whole time. And if you're just going to use it a couple of weekends at a year you don't need to spend that much money on it. Right. You know, I want to tell you, my favorite camping pants are the scout uniform pants. They're great. They, mm-hmm. they're, for one thing, they have the zip off legs so you can convert them from shorts to pants. Uh, and they're durable and like they're strong. They stand mm-hmm. up. I mean, they have to stand up to, to 12 and 13 year old boys. You know what <laughs> I mean? I mean, that's, they're designed for that and they're comfortable and they fit a wide range of sizes and shapes. Yeah, definitely. Like if you go to the scout store online, th- there's a mm-hmm. lot of camping gear that you can get through them. Not all of it's as inexpensive as it should be, but it's all there. Uh, but, right. but definitely check out the, the scout 
uh, camp, camping pants. I, I just, I, re- I really can't mm-hmm. say enough about them. They're really good. Uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about was uh, how to treat our clothes mm-hmm. uh, to prepare for camping because we want to um, not just, we don't just want to take them out of the drawer or take them out of the package and go with them. They need something in, in at first. Right. Yeah. And it's, there's, you want to look at weatherproofing the stuff that you have, especially your shoes, but also uh, any of the jackets or the top layers that you're going to have as you're going out. And I, I like Kiwi Camp Dry. It is a great product. It is it's a wash in uh, most of the time. Uh, it's a wash in material that you you coat your uh, clothes with it while you put them in the wash. And it soaks into those clothes so that they have that protective uh, layer to them. And the really important thing here is that it's not just a layer that makes them waterproof, but it makes them semi-porous. So it coats them in a way that doesn't doesn't make them stiff or non-breathable. Mm-hmm. And so you want to be really careful when you're picking uh, which which type of stuff you're using to make sure that it it marks out at marks itself out as semi-porous because that's what's going to really work for you because if you ever used a rain poncho you know that you need it to breathe because the rain ponchos are awful because you end up as wet as you would have from the rain because you've sweated all over yourself oh yeah that is so true i've had that a few uh, ponchos like that where it's just like oh my gosh i am like it's a sauna inside it yeah it's Mm -hmm. terrible well the other thing to think about too is uh you want to have insect repellent in in many cases. Uh, And one of the best insect repellents for longer term for this is for not for your skin, but for your gear, clothes, tents, uh, your backpacks, even uh, is permethrin. That's the the chemical that's used. And uh, the one I've got, I'm going to link to is from Sawyer products. That's one I've used. And it uh, this like I have this big pump bottle of it, and the, you know I got it last year before my kids went to summer camp, and I sprayed all their sprayed their tent with it, sprayed their uh, their shirts and stuff, and it lasts through several washes uh, of mm-hmm. of the clothes, and so and then you just get reapply it maybe once a season, depending on how often you're using your gear, um, and it works really well at keeping the bugs off of your clothes, off of you, off of your your tent, you know, inside your tent, that sort of thing. Uh, so you want to keep that in mind, keep something like that, depending on how bad the bugs are where you are. But frankly, uh, every place has bad bugs. Oh, yes. <laughs> You're not going to escape that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, that's almost a requirement just because, it, and, and, and this is the thing is when it comes back to it, you want to make your experience outside as pleasant as possible. Now, that's not yeah. to say... You want it to be, you know, motel quality or hotel quality. Uh, I'm not glamping stay. here. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't want to be miserable because you're not going to do it again if you're miserable. Right. Or to put it another way, if you want to go camping and you have to convince someone else to go with you, that, you don't oh, want yeah. them mm-hmm. to be miserable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's, that's a good very point. True. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to talk about uh, drinking water. We need water when we're out camping. Uh, and there are several that we mentioned a little bit, but there are several different things that you can uh, carry water in. Uh, one of the popular ones you see people use, like uh, you know, runners will have especially, are hydration bladders. And these are basically bags, plastic bags with a hose that comes out of it that you can, that you then hang, it goes in a bag, like your backpack. And then the hose comes and hangs off of your suspension, your, uh, your uh, straps. And you, it has a little bite valve on the end of it. And whatever you want to drink of water, you just put it in your mouth, suck some water out. You're good to go. You don't have to reach around, look for your, your can, you know, your, uh, your, your uh, water bottle, whatever. 
da- there are some downsides to hydration bladders. They have they're hard mm-hmm. to clean, and cleaning very. is 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 really important. Mold grows in this stuff uh, very easily, so you got to make sure they get cleaned and dried. Um, and it's it, it it goes in your bag with your stuff, and if it leaks. <laughs> You're, all your stuff is wet. Um, so there's that. Um, uh, th- then there are the different water bottles or plastic bottles or metal bottles or collapsible bottles. Um, I, I, you mentioned you like a metal bottle. I do too. I much mm-hmm. prefer metal. In fact, I prefer stainless steel uninsulated bottles. And I, I get the clean canteen bottle and, and it has no plastic on it. Because then I can just put, if I need to, I can put that bottle right in the fire to heat it up and boil the water. Like say I need to boil water to, to you know, as a last ditch to purify it or some, something like that. Um, or I'm just making coffee or whatever. Uh, so that's what I like to use. How about you? Um, I, I like titanium. I go for titanium bottles. And uh, I am, this is one area where I'm willing to splurge because that titanium bottle is going to last you forever mm-hmm. and it's going to weigh about a quarter as much as a steel bottle right right so that that's that's my that's why those are my go-to uh i i will typically buy titanium uh cook gear as well just because same reason it collapses down really well it's going to last forever and it's uh it just doesn't weigh anything it's amazing how light they can Get that yeah, stuff. we talked with that last in our last uh, time we talked about camping gears. I have some uh, cups, titanium cups, mm-hmm. but a, a water ball. That's a great idea. Yeah, because clean canteen they they're moving more toward the consumer market away from uh, casual. They're going more to a casual away from camping. So they don't. Ha- I couldn't find my particular bottle anymore, and they have a lot of these mm-hmm. insulated bottles. So uh, something like that might be in my future. So that's a good idea. You can get. Uh, I, I also like the. Um, there are some plastic ones, uh, bottles, the uh, the wide mouth. Oh, I forget what they're called. They have a name. Um, uh, plastic bottles. Those are good for like if I need to have extra supplies of water with me that I'm not drinking from that. I'm using that for, for camping, for cooking or, or that sort of thing or just mm-hmm. to replenish my, my drinking water. Uh, so those can be good. Um, just make sure they have a tight lid. Yeah, and those can be good storage containers too. So yep. one one thing you don't have to store water in them, especially with the wide mouth. You can put gear in them that you need to stay dry. So if you have a map or something like that that yep. that you need to keep dry for a, an extended period of time when it's raining, just shove it in that wide mouth bottle, seal it up, mm-hmm. and then the next time you find a water source, take it out, put your your map back wherever you need it, and then fill it fill it back up with whatever water source you have. Mm-hmm. They can be good for food too, like granola or other like uh, mm-hmm. cereals or you know stuff like that to to pour in there. Um, Absolutely. So you could also have there are also water bags. These are especially good um, if again if you're car camping, uh, they're they're bigger and they they fill up and you can carry the bag from you know from wherever the say a faucet to your campsite. Um, I have something called an Aquatainer. It's a five gallon water jug that it, it, it gets heavy. Five gallons of water is heavy. Pints a pound the world around. So that's a lot of pints. That's a lot of pounds. <laughs> so, uh, you you know, so but it's really useful around camp to have because it's got a, you know, a faucet on it and you get a ready supply of water there. So I mm-hmm. always enjoy having something like that. 
Yeah, those those are good to make wash stations too. If you have a, mm-hmm. you know, just to because you don't always have running water. So if you just fill them up, and then you you've got that faucet there to be able to run water over things that you need to clean. Yep. Uh, and it can be really really useful for that for for hand washing, especially before meals. Right. If you get a water bag, you can actually hang in a tree and do that too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Um, how about water purifiers? I don't have a water purifier. I never go that far from real you know good water source mm-hmm. myself. Boiling water is always going to be your best bet. Yeah. And if I, I if you're going to be somewhere where you're far enough away from any kind of ability to to get clean water, uh, there are pump filtration systems that you can carry with you that are really lightweight, that yep. work really well. I recommend those over things like the um, like the Straw. life straws. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but the, the problem is, is that it's, it's impractical in a lot of ways just because of how how it works. Uh, so you want either a pump or a gravity fed um, filtration system. And and there are there are some out there. I, I don't know enough about them to be able to recommend them other than to say those are the two kinds of things you want to really look for. Right. Some of the pump ones, they come with uh, attachments. So you can attach it directly to certain Nalgene bottles. That's the word I was looking mm-hmm. for before, Nalgene or uh, hyd- certain brands of hydration bladders or whatever. But they come with attachments so you can connect it right to it. So that that's really useful, uh, you know. Uh, if if you think you're going to, but I think for most people, if you're just starting out, you don't really need a, a water filter right. to, to get started. If if you're putting together an emergency survival kit, you're better off putting together something like um, iodine tablets or purification uh, you know, tablets. Yeah. Some kind of purification tablet is yeah. going to be your best bet. So well, uh, another thing that's, this is more, less of a necessity, more of a comfort. And that is a, a camp chair. Now, mm-hmm. there, we also have seen like the big chairs, like the fold up chairs that we take out to the, you know, to the soccer game, the kids soccer game. We sit on the sidelines. Those are big and bulky. There are portable camping chairs that fold down into small packages. And I've got one myself from a company called One Tigress, which is a great company. Uh, and they have a, a portable camping chair that folds down really good. The The key thing is it holds up to 330 pounds, which is a lot more than I weigh. So just put, just put that right out there. That's a lot more than I weigh, but, the, but it means that I can, I, I can sit in it and not worry that it's going to collapse under me, you know, halfway through a camping trip. And then mm-hmm. I'm not looking for stumps or, you know, a log to sit on or the sitting on the muddy ground or, you know, with all the bugs. Um, so it's a really nice little option for, and it, you know, you just you sit back and you relax in it. It's a really a nice little chair. Uh, there are other things as, as well. You could, you could check out. Yeah. Well, I don't know. This thing's making me rethink what I'm seeing because <laughs> it looks really like it folds down really well. I'm I'm yeah. super impressed, like having looked at it. But there there are tripod tripod stools that you can get that are really effective, and they 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 go all the way. They they run the gamut of you know what they're capable of holding, but uh, they're really not as uncomfortable as they seem. So if you get them, they're especially useful if you're running a campfire because you can get close to the campfire without sitting back too far and that's my, my big problem with camp chairs is you end up sitting back so far in the camp chair that you, to do anything with the fire you have to get up out of the chair do something with fire whereas with the tripod stools you're sitting at an angle that's really useful to be able to get at the fire and and then relax and yes you can't lean back and fall asleep in it but if you're tending the fire that's probably not a good idea anyway. <laughs> right. yeah i mean you're much more upright it's an upright posture mm-hmm. um i mean you can kind of 
scooch forward a little bit on these chairs, but then you're kind of precariously perched, and that's not all that safe next to a fire. So, right. uh, yeah, these stools, and they're they're less expensive by by and large. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's not a bad idea, especially like like for for like a kids for scouts camping, like to give them one oh, of these. Yeah. That would be a great idea because the kids, our kids are always like you know fighting. Frankly, I come back and I get <laughs> I got kids sitting in my chair. Get out of my chair! Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and really, I mean, you're looking at these, especially for kids. You're you're looking at maybe ten bucks. Like yeah. there there are some that run right around ten dollars for these chairs. Almost disposable because they will. Mm-hmm. break them no matter how good they are so don't yeah. buy, don't spend a lot on them. <laughs> um so let's talk a bit about uh bags different kinds of bags there are uh we mentioned stuff sacks which can be used for more than just uh you know putting your uh your sleeping bag in you can put all kinds of gear clothes and other things in them um and then compression sacks which have the our stuff sacks which have straps that allow you to you know, to get air out and really make things small. And then there's dry bags, which are often used if you're doing more like say water uh, borne camping, like ca- canoe camping or kayaking and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they keep your, your, your gear pretty dry. Uh, but there's other kinds of things too. I have uh, discovered, I always have, when I go, go out, I always have my phone with me. I have my keys, my glasses, my watch. And when I want to sleep at night, I, like often that like this gear is all over the place. It's just, and tents often have these little pouches. They're never big enough to hold like my wallet and my keys. And so I went and got, uh, I, I use these, this, this Eagle Creek packet sacks in my computer bag to, to organize my, uh, cables and things and i realized this would work really well for camping so i get one of these and i keep it in my backpack and so at night i open it up and i just shove all my stuff in it my phone my wallet you know whatever flashlight glasses and zip it up and it's all together it's not scattered throughout the tent if i need it in the middle of the night i know exactly what where it is that sort of thing so uh they're they're inexpensive i mean it's not cheap they're 15 dollars for the medium size or i think a large size is uh 15 um i have the medium the large is pretty big so you probably be get away with the medium like a large is 10 by 14 um the the medium is is uh smaller than that and so like probably 10 bucks but it's like a mesh with a plastic inside so it's hmm. it, it would actually I, I think it i would say it's waterproof but it's certainly water uh, repellent in a, in a sense. So, uh, so think about s- some s- ways of organizing your gear inside your backpack, little, uh, packet cubes or things like that. That mm-hmm. really is a great idea. Like, so all your underwear in one bag and all your socks in another bag and, and also maybe a bag for your dirty clothes. If you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Especially if they get wet, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. Yeah, if you, if you have a mesh bag, it's really good. A mesh bag is just, so generally useful you know it's for hanging up your uh your your utensils to dry after you've washed them if your clothes get wet you hang you put stuff in the mesh bag you hang it off your pack and you keep walking and stuff dries out while you're walking Mm -hmm. i cannot recommend a good mesh bag highly enough and so it's just now they're they're inexpensive so it's not it's not like there's like a particular one to recommend but find one that that has fits the needs that you have size wise and it can be something as, as simple as like a laundry bag right yeah that just goes inside of a laundry basket and and that but those things are so useful for so many different things that you're gonna different problems you're gonna run into on the trail you know? right 
Now, the one thing, the last thing I want to mention for bags is a bear sack uh, or bear mm-hmm. bag or bear canister. <laughs> uh, and this really is, is highly regional dependent. This depends on what you have in your region. Although this is becoming more important where I live. Uh, we actually had a bear uh, uh, spotted in the next town over from me. I live like on the edge of Boston. Like <laughs> that's kind of, that is wild. That is just wild. Uh, so, but a bear container is what you put all your food, every scrap of food that you could possibly have on you that a bear might think is good, including sunscreen and uh, things mm-hmm. like that in a bear canister uh, tied up and then tied up in a tree. It goes up in a tree. The bears have not figured out how to untie these yet. Uh, they will eventually, but we'll have to figure something else <laughs> then. But hopefully we'll have hovering things by then. Uh, but uh, so it's a way of keeping your stuff safe from bears and other animals, raccoons and other stuff. Although I bet a raccoon smart enough to and handy enough to get. Those I think ra- yeah. I think this is not going to protect you from a raccoon, but it's going to, yeah. it's going to keep the bears from getting at your stuff. Sneaky little <laughs> raccoons, trash pandas. Uh, so that's all I have. Anything else from uh, that you, Thomas? On no, I, I think that's good. I, I, I think the, the most important thing, because, because we're talking about longer camping trips here, we're talking about really getting out there. And I think the, the most important thing is to know where you're going and to be prepared for it. Yeah. Um, I like there's there's a German parable that I've started to live by, which is there's no such thing as bad weather, just a bad wardrobe. And yeah, yeah. I, that I, that is exceptionally true when it comes to camping. There's no such thing as a bad camping experience, just a bad set of gear that went along with you. <laughs> right. You can survive and even have a good time in any weather if you're adequately prepared. And that's the key. That's the key. Uh, all right. So that's all fun. And again, this is it's not our traditional, you know, computers and, and you know, a microchip sort of technology but it, it's i hope you all enjoyed you know our, our discussion of this and maybe if you th- you've been thinking about going camping you know give it a shot it's it's a lot of fun if you have kids think about scouts it's uh, scouts is you if you get a good troop near you that can be a, a great experience for your kids boys and girls are, are in the bsa nowadays so you can check yeah. it out and uh, if you have other questions about camping gear camping technology you know let us know and we'll we'll address it in a future episode so let's move on to our patrons. I want to thank our patrons who make this show possible for, uh, for the secrets of technology, including Donald F., Paige K., Tiffany F., John S., and Randy L. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So let's talk about a few headlines we get this week. We actually do have some tech headlines. This one, this first one's kind of a funny one. Um, <laughs> it's from a, 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 a publication called Motherboard, or, well, it's Vice, and within it is something called Motherboard. So the, Vice is the larger company. Motherboard is a particular website. Anyway, uh, it's not really important. The headline is Vatican offers and mysteriously rescinds interview about the Pope's metaverse plans. And it's a long story. It's kind of a weird story about how the Vatican was going to be developing an NFT, non-fungible token gallery that would give people an opportunity to experience the church's vast uh, wealth of cultural, you know, art and all these other things um, in a new way using Web3 and all the other buzzword stuff. And the, it's but the story is about how motherboard kept trying to get an interview with the, the Vatican <laughs> spokesman and kept getting put off until finally they canceled it and that's it like uh, inclu- including a brief uh, tangent into 
uh, NBA trades that didn't go well. Like it was just the strangest <laughs> article. But uh, what do you think? It's almost like they don't understand that there's other stuff going on that's probably a little more important to the <laughs> to yeah. the church. You know, right, right. <laughs> And I, I mean, it, it kind of, to me, it's a little symbolic of the whole NFT thing, which is mm-hmm. it's all this hype and smoke and mirrors. And so far it's more smoke and mirrors than substance. And every time yeah. I see a major reputable institution talk about doing, getting into NFTs, I'm thinking, oh, please don't sell yourself <laughs> with that. <laughs> it's, it's back to the, and, and really the whole bitcoin boom and the cryptocurrencies in general it's just i don't know it's so shady yes (laughs) just from the ground up it's so shady and and i love the concept of cryptocurrencies so it's i'm not a i'm not a, a naysayer in the the huge sense but the amount of money that's changing hands on this stuff is just mind-bogglingly bad to me (laughs) yes i saw a report that said that something on the order of like nine it might even be more nine billion dollars worth of scams people lost nine billion dollars of cryptocurrency in various scams over the past few years nine billion dollars it might even been more it could have been it might have been even double digits i mean just it is and a lot of that wasn't even necessarily quote unquote real money it was the crypto mm-hmm. so it wasn't fiat currency you know that sort of stuff yet it was it's worth so much so it's like i mean so some organization called sensorium a switzerland based metaverse company hooked up with uh, a nonprofit ngo called humanity 2.0 which is an official vatican initiative of some sort um and convince them that this would be their entry into the really hip new way of connecting with those kids through NFTs. <laughs> and and I think it's probably it's been put off. It's been you know probably because of the whole collapse of the of the whole cryptocurrency NFT yeah. marketplace, um, and which is probably just as well because it's kind of kind of silly. The church moves slow, and there are times where that is. This is exactly why, right? Like, yes, yes. We didn't get on the front of this train because we uh, we're waiting for the train to make sense before we actually board. Right, right. So, what are the, now? I I, I will say that that one of the things that I think here is really interesting is that we could use technology a little more uh, a little more creatively in the way that we deal with some yeah. of the things. I think a church tour based on QR codes is something that i would love to see like uh-huh. you know just just a little qr code by the tabernacle that you scan it and it gives you an a brief explanation maybe even usccb level explanation of what a tabernacle is right and, you know there's something by the ambo that does that does the same thing so when you're doing a church tour you know you can have people interact with it in a way that's not just here's the ambo but maybe other examples of of the ammo and maybe even a discussion about where these things belong in the church, because that's something that's it's incredible. The amount of detail that goes into creating a sanctuary space for a church and and the character that that a particular church has versus the one down the street that does things completely differently. You know, they might have the tabernacle directly behind the altar rather than off to the side or, you know, all of these little things that, they mean something. And and that's the thing that I think gets lost so much because even when you're giving a church tour, you, you know, your church maybe, but you don't necessarily know 
the story of why the sanctuary is put together the way it is. Right. And, you know, the QR codes could link to things like even like videos and, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, Bishop Robert Barron explaining the history of uh, tabernacles or of this particular saint that we have a statue of or, you know, that sort of thing. And especially in churches that have any kind of history, they don't have to be like historic you know, Washington right. D.C. churches could be just an interesting church with a, with a history in this town. It's been in this town for a hundred years. That sort of thing would be. Re- I I was pushing that in my own parishes uh, some time ago, uh, and still I think that's a great idea. Uh, so one of the things that uh, the thing that's really struck stood out to me in this article the the motherboard uh, uh, reporter was one of the things they wanted to ask was. The, the papal spokesman is the metaverse covered by the same moral strictures as the universe from which it's distinct. It's not distinct. <laughs> the metaverse <laughs> is not a separate universe. It is no more so than, you know, talking on the telephone is somehow distinct from you know, talking to someone face to face from a moral point of viewpoint. Uh, you know, you're still the same people living in the same universe, just communicating through a different tool. That's all. So yeah. It's, That's interesting, though, because like, you know, if you think about video games, there's a I mean, we do things in video games that we definitely would not hold, you know, morally, uh, morally standard. Well, but, but you're not but actually doing you're, them. Right. You're not actually doing them and yeah. you're not actually doing them to another person. It's like avatars that are there. Right. And then I think I think where you can draw the difference between those lines is that that chatter that happens after the game or the stupid stuff that people do that infuriates everyone because they're you know like running around insulting someone's yeah. mother and you know Leroy Jenkins <laughs> oh my gosh yeah but but I think but you know I think I think the, the you you can differentiate between the two things where it's like yes this is a new space but it's still interacting with people and that yeah. the point of that is that we hold the person to be important enough that regardless of where we're interacting with them we treat them like a person well that actually is a really great lead-in and segue into our next headline which is a uh the headline is technoblade a popular minecraft youtuber dies from cancer at age 23 and shares a final video now if you're like me and you don't have kids who are into minecraft or you're not into minecraft yourself you might not know who technoblade is but he was a youtuber who was immensely popular had millions of subscribers and was uh, I watched some of his videos after reading about this and um, he was anonymous. He didn't share his, his real name, uh, you know, or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Well, it turned out he had cancer and died at the age of 23 and left behind this really affecting video uh, that, that his dad, like he he left a, a message to his fans that his dad read. And then his dad gave a little bit of a reflection and and I was thinking, like, this is very interesting because kids make it like p- people. We make connections. He's not just some YouTube stars aren't just celebrities far away for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. They're not like someone on a movie screen, an actor. Uh, there's a I think there's a much greater connection that people feel with these YouTubers. It feels much more personal. And so for a lot of these kids losing this, this guy, this this guy suddenly is much bigger deal. And this, it, mm-hmm. and this is a real human person who is, who's died. Uh, so what right. did you, what did you think of this? Did, you, did your kids know him? I, yeah. Um, actually one of my kids is a, a an aspiring Minecraft YouTuber. So, um, he okay. just, just turned 13 and that was my, my, uh, 
structure for him was you have to be 13 because that's how old you have to be to have a YouTube account. Yep. But at that point, you can start recording and uploading things. And I'm fine with that. But you do need to maintain your anonymity. So you're going to go by a name uh, wherever you can. You probably want to try and use your avatar instead of taking video of yourself. So we've had to, we've had to have some talks about it. Uh, but, you know, so he started he started doing his research. He started going online and finding these guys that were doing uh, what I was saying, you know, were the limits of where I wanted him to be. And techno was one of them where he was, you know, he, he only ever had his avatar on screen, which was this pig with a crown on it. And mm -hmm. um, so it was, it was great. And, and he's funny. He's, he's a funny guy. Oh, yeah. He's, you know, he, I think that's one of the big things that I'm trying to teach him is like, it's, it's hard to do what these guys do where not only are they playing the game, but they're narrating it in an entertaining way so right. that even if you don't play Minecraft, you can watch them play and laugh about the stuff that's going on and, yes. you know, get the jokes that are happening. Um, and then he did crazy stuff like I, he he I think it was Minecraft that he beat using a uh, the steering wheel from like a, a racing game. <laughs> Oh, wow. So that was, use that as that his controller. His, he had to use that as his controller. And uh, and so, you know, he was a fun guy. He was really neat. And so my son had just actually gotten into his stuff uh, last year uh, in learning about him. And, you know, when, when this came up, he was at camp. So when he got back, we, we pulled him aside and talked to him about it. And somebody had already told him at camp. But, yeah, it was it was big deal for him. So we, you know, we got him a sweatshirt that uh, that has the uh, mm -hmm. so long nerds on it. <laughs> Because that was nice. A, that was a techno's uh, a kind of catchphrase to end his videos, right? Uh, but yeah, I, I, I would. There are a couple of YouTubers that I follow, uh, Minecraft and otherwise, that yep. I would be really, uh, I would be really affected if they if they passed, sure. especially because it would be unexpected. Uh, there was actually one that did. Uh, I, he he started the the channel called King of Random, and he passed a few years back now and it was surprising because he was very young and uh it was the same kind of thing where he had he had a, a chronic illness that that ended up taking him but you know it's 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 interesting because you do get really connected to these people and they they are letting you into some portion of their life that that you're you're matching with them on and that's that's why you got to their channel in the first place because it's stuff you're interested in mm -hmm. and the reason you stuck around was because they keep talking about the stuff that you're interested in and so you keep doing more of that stuff and getting more interested in it and it's this back and forth right that even when they're not talking directly to you you do feel some uh community with them in that I think we do form real connections to people. These aren't just like uh, sometimes we, we uh, people will put down like, oh, social media friends are not real friends or, you know, I mean, I haven't been in the room, same room with a lot of people I do podcasts with. I, uh, mm -hmm. I've never been in the same room with Jimmy Aiken or Father Andrew Kinstetter. You know, I, I've been, we've been in the same uh, room right but, but, uh, but because of social media and right that's why we ended up being in the same room right <laughs> right i mean we these are real connections that we make with people and the and there we in all of life is present now in these things birth mm -hmm. marriage uh death now and i think it's important to keep to keep in mind and it you know as if as a parent as my kids get out there and start to take part, you know, to, to partake of the various, these various things. I think it's important to keep them, you know, grounded. Like these are real people. They're not just images on a screen, mm -hmm. you know, that there are real people behind these avatars and things can happen to them and they can also do things. And so it's important to keep that in mind that whatever you see on screen is never 
all of who that person is. You right. know, there's, there's always more to who that person is than what you what they let you see, you know, on the screen, wh- wherever that is. Yeah. And then a lot of times they're playing a character. And that's that's something, um, you know, that's something that I think is really interesting to kids and and learning about these figures my uh that same son who's the youtuber uh he's very much into mr beast and that's a highly contentious character on on youtube but the more i've watched of of him and who he is and who he portrays himself to be uh it's interesting it's a really it's a modern take on philanthropy that is Mm -hmm. weird and (laughs) <laughs> and you know we we scratch our heads about it sometimes but uh, but he's got a good heart and i think that's the thing to remember is that yeah a, a lot of these guys they get this platform they get this money and they don't understand how they got the money <laughs> right and they're trying to do the best they can by themselves and everybody they know and and that leads to them you know learning about how to give things away. And that's such an interesting thing to watch uh, unfold. Yeah. I mean, like we talked with Jeff Gearling uh, last time and, you know, about as a YouTuber and, you know, getting his audience. There are lots of, uh, there are YouTubers out there who I think are worthy of, like, I don't have a problem. My kids getting to know them. Uh, Mark Mm -hmm. Rober is a huge YouTuber. Uh, Always super into education and, uh, you know, being excited about the world around us. I was like that. Um, uh oh, stranger every uh smarter every day smarter is, every day mm-hmm. is um <laughs> oh you're getting my my crew right there <laughs> yeah um what i get his name slips my mind i'm terrible with names but um destin oh shoot yeah, there you go. Destin, <laughs> smart every day, all about science. Super excited about things. My kids love watching his videos. He just did a thing with uh, Prince Rupert's drops, which were which are just mm-hmm. really awesome. Um, but even like uh, Townsend, which is a guy who does a uh, colonial era like reenacting, and mm-hmm. uh, he does uh, recipes and food of the era. Super educational. Super nice guy. He's one of the nicest people. You know, you can meet at least what we see on screen. I mean, he could be right. like we say, the only what they reveal. <laughs> but I don't have a problem with what he reveals himself to be and my kids seeing that. So there, there is there is a lot of good stuff out there. We've talked about this before, I guess. In fact, we talked about it with Jeff. Um, but uh, but it's it's one of those things like life and death is, is part. It, it's even there on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if it's okay, I want to skip our next headline and go right to the last one because I don't want to, <laughs> okay. I don't want to miss this one because we just, both of us shake our heads. Uh, the headline oh, yeah. is BMW sells heated seat feature as an $18 a month subscription. So how it works? You buy your 50, 60, $70,000 car that comes with heated seats. If you want to use the heated seats, then you have to give BMW an additional $18 a month so that the feature will turn on. Yes, this is the world we're moving into, the subscription revenue world. Uh, it's gone from apps where you, if you want to be able to play the app and win, you have to pay to play. Now it's pay to drive in comfort. <laughs> <I'd>, <laughs> you, you can't, there is a purchase option. So it's like $415 for okay. unlimited access. So you, you can... But I, just the fact that there is a DRM feature in your car, <laughs> yeah, it blows my mind. And and that it's a BMW of all things, of, you of know? all things, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean Tesla te- has had a few features of its own that are subscription based. You pay and you get you know some auto drive ex- additional features and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I think they kind of opened the door on that. And a lot of these companies are looking at it and saying, well, you know, maybe we can, you know, in one sense, a lot of these additional add on options are expensive and when you're buying a car maybe you 
you're looking at the totality of the price, you say, I can't really afford all that up right now. And then later on you go, you know, I kind of wish I had those heated seats. Uh-huh. This is the way of getting it, I guess. <laughs> That's how they get you, man. That's I'm, how they get you. <laughs> I'm trying to put the best shine on it I can. <laughs> we're, we're, we're slowly moving towards a, uh, a Philip Dick style dystopia where, you know, you have to put a nickel into your door every time you want to open it. And uh, <laughs> you know, just like, it's, oh, it's horrible. I, I, see, here's the thing that, that really bothers me. I get Tesla. Okay. Like if uh-huh. you're paying for a feature that is getting updates that's a computer-based feature that needs consistent programming and adjustments, things like that. That's yes. that's one thing. That's fi- I'm fine. You know, I can see paying extra for that. What is really changing about these heated seats that they're limiting your use? Well, nothing. They're, they're in your car and they turn on and off. Right. That's it. So, like, this this is clearly just a money grab. Like a hundred percent just and and, and what they're going to say is, well, no, it makes the car cheaper because now we've put this item in and it makes it cheaper so that you if you don't want the seats, you don't have to purchase the seats. And and my argument there is then just make the car cheaper and don't put the seats in and then actually (laughs) make the car cheaper. You know, like don't put the heated seats in, just leave them out. Right. This is what car makers have done for ages. They have option packages. If you want the high end option, you can buy it. If you can't afford it, we will sell it to you without that. That I mean, that Uh, the thing is, is it's all software that's blocking it. Mm -hmm. Somebody's hacking this right now. (laughs) Somebody's got a Raspberry Pi hooked up to a BMW hacking this stuff open. But then it voids your warranty and then you're in all sorts of trouble. Well, you know? Right, 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 right. Because yeah. that's that's the next thing they're going to do is okay, I know I know we've got some issues coming up where we're talking about right to repair and stuff like that. That that's really what's happening here is like, yes, you can hack it. But as soon as you hack these seats, your powertrain warranty is no longer is null and void because we right. can't know what you did. You know what else you hacked. And, and that's like uh, those two things are not comparable at all. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, and it's not the only subscription. There are other. So, uh, things you can subscribe to heated steering wheels for $12 a month, uh, an option to record footage from your car's cameras. That's $235 for unlimited use unlimited, of course. And the iconic sound sport package, which lets you play engine sounds in your car for a one-time fee of $117. <laughs> you know, if, if you're going to pay that, you almost deserve what you get. <laughs> I had to look at the date on this article like three times to make sure it wasn't an April Fool's joke. <laughs> Man, I guess, I guess I'm not a BMW owner. That's 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 the long and short of it. I will never be, I'll never be able to afford one anyway. So um, in any case, so uh, that's that's our headlines. Uh, let's move on to our picks of the week. And I'm going to let you go first. What is your right. pick this week? So my pick this week is, you know, we're talking about people getting into camping. Um, I want to give you a name you're going to remember for hammock camping. So if you're interested Mm -hmm. in hammock camping, we talked a little bit about it in in the last episode and kind of coming back to it this time. Uh, I love this company. They make great gear on the cheap. So it's really cheap gear. That's that's good. It's lasted. Good quality. Um, Yeah, Yeah. I've used it quite a bit and it still uh, works. I've let my kids use it my, you know. 13 and 14 year olds have used it and they haven't ruined it. So it must be doing its job, right? <laughs> um, this is uh, for hammock camping gear. So for all the stuff you need for your hammock, your hammock, your bug net, your uh, quilts, things like that, bearbuttteam.com. And and uh, I, I have them from back when the logo was still actually a bear's butt. Uh, yeah. Now it's just a little trapezoidal it, box. Bear as in the animal, <laughs> not as in naked right. butt. It's, this was bear butt, B-U-T-T. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I look at it like so. I've I have Eno hammocks, and they're probably twice as expensive as these, uh, but these look really good. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, there's some they have some really interesting bits of gear uh, on their site. But uh, uh, apart from the hammocks, uh, like the something called the snake skin, which is mm-hmm. a really interesting idea where. Uh, when when you're away from your hammock during the day, well, you know, you've got your campsite and you're away from your hammock. What if it rains? Well, your hammock gets soaked. Well, this is a basically a bag that kind of a sleeve that that you pull out in the morning, pull out and cover your hammock to keep it dry. I'm like, wow, that is such a great little idea mm-hmm. that clearly people who camp and use hammocks and, and use the equipment. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that is such a great idea. I, I like it. Uh, it is. Uh, it, it's a yeah. It looks good. They also have a hammock gear sling, so like you can something gear off the ground. That's one of the problems with hammocks. Is uh, where do you put your bag? You know, your sleep, mm-hmm. your camping bag, that sort of thing. I mean, your ba- your yeah. backpack. Yeah. And then my favorite part about this is that you can you can it's piecemeal. So you don't you don't buy a hammock camping solution. You buy your hammock. Get used to it, get used to how you're going to use it, and then go, okay, yeah, I really need a mosquito net. You know, I need a bug net, so I'm going to go buy a bug net. Okay, yeah, I need a rain fly for this next trip that I'm going to take. Okay, I'll buy a rain fly this time. And and their gear's good. It is is just really good, top-quality gear. Awesome. Really cool. So my pick is also camping-related, and this is a very... Simple, inexpensive, and clever little bit of tech. It's the Coleman Digital Fuel Gauge. And the way this works is it's a little bit of, it's a little plastic knob. It kind of looks like a thumb drive, right? A little bit bigger. Uh, It's got a digital screen on it. And what it does is it attaches to the top of a Coleman uh, propane canister. You know, the Coleman stove has those little green bottles that you use. You attach them to to a lantern or various things like that. And one of the things about them is it's hard to tell how full, how full or empty they are. It's like, oh, my gosh. It's like, I just got this out. I brought it with me all the way to the campsite, and it's almost empty. What was the point of that? Such a waste. Well, what this does is they know exactly how much their bottles weigh. Empty. So what it mm-hmm. does is it, it basically you you clip it onto the t- to the top, the threads on the top, and you hold it you know by the, the loop at the top, and it weighs the bottle and subtracts the weight of the bottle itself and tells you how much propane is in it, which is, I think, a clever idea. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. <laughs> and they make them for a couple different brands. Benzomatic has propane canisters, and like so there's different ones too. But yeah. What a great little thing to keep in your in your pack and just to use. So that, I, I, I'm going to buy one because I, <laughs> I did not know this existed. Yeah. And this is fantastic because I cannot tell you how many times I've ended up somewhere without with a half empty tank or completely right. empty tank. Sometimes you're like, oh, it feels right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's slosh slosh. Yeah. I'd say that's probably three quarter full. No, it's one quarter full. That's you just didn't know it. Uh, you're a terrible judge of how much it weighs. That's me. I'm a terrible judge of how much it weighs. Uh, so yeah, this is, this is going to, it will save your bacon if you, uh, if you, if you use the propane, the, the Coleman propane green bottles at all. Awesome. All right. So that was a, a long show that, that did, we did go on a bit, but uh, I think it was a good show. I had a lot of fun uh, talking about great. this stuff. I mean, uh, camping camping nuts we we love to talk about gear and so we'll talk about it all the time yeah maybe we should have a camping podcast anyway mm. uh, <laughs> i don't have time for that don't have time for that many of them don't yeah. i know i know <laughs> no I more know. suggestions <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll maybe we'll just revisit camping in this podcast uh, there you go. from time to time when there's new interesting gear to talk about anyway that's it from us for this time. We would love to hear what you think of our discussion. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology 
or the StarQuest Facebook page, facebook.com slash Media. You can send an email to technology at sqpn.com or visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. And you'll find links from our discussion and our picks of the week on our show notes at sqpn.com. Remember to like The Secrets of Tech wherever you see it on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter where we're at sqpn. And leave us comments wherever. We'd love to talk to you wherever we can uh, run into you online. We'd like to thank James for research assistance in this episode. And until next time, Thomas Enerho, thank you for joining me and sharing The Secrets of Technology. It's been great. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Technology on StarQuest. <laughs>